Support for Motley Fool Answers comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, work with one that has your best interests in mind. Use Rocket Mortgage for a transparent, trustworthy home loan process that's completely online at quickenloans.com fool. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined, as always, by Robert Brokamp. In this week's episode, we're enlisting the help of Motley Fool employee number three to guide us down memory lane as we recall some of the best April Fool's jokes and investing lessons behind them in the Motley Fool's history. We'll also answer your question about diversification. All that and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. It's time for Answers Answers, and today's question comes from Brad from Dayton. Brad writes, I've got an IRA I've been throwing money into since I was 16 or so. Man. Impressive. I'm 28 now and want to start paying more serious attention to investing. All of my IRA is in one fund. Do you want me to say what fund it is? Sure, why not? The the TSMAX. Yes, I'll explain that in a second. Okay. And wanted some advice on diversifying my account. All right, bro, take it away. Well, First of all, awesome for you, Brad, for contributing to your IRA as a 16-year-old. And just so everyone knows, kids can have IRAs. All you need is earned income. So if your kid's working at McDonald's, makes $2,000, they can put that $2,000 into an IRA. And it doesn't even have to be their money. Mom and dad can throw that money in there if they want, get a good start on their retirement savings. Now, a very quick primer on tickers for mutual funds. This is TSMAX. So all mutual funds are five letters and with an X. The A is the concerning part there, because different mutual funds have different shares. There's A shares, B shares, C shares. A share could mean that he has to pay a front-end commission when he buys it, and that is indeed the case with this fund. It actually turns out that it is the... Ready? The Touchstone Dynamic Global Allocation A Fund. Now, is it front end, when you say front end commission, is that the same thing as a front end load? load. Yes. Okay. So, at least according to Morningstar, when you buy this fund, every time you buy, you have to pay a 5.75% commission up front. And the expense ratio is 1.4% a year, which is high. So, every time you buy shares, it, it could be. Now, okay. he could have a special deal with his broker or financial advisor, but that's the, the basics on this. So my first thought for you, Brad, is I don't see anything compelling about this fund to begin with. The, advi- the managers have only been managing the fund for the last couple of years. Its performance is pretty middle of the road. It is a global allocation fund, meaning that it, it, it divvies up all the assets between cash, bonds, and stocks all over the world. If you like that concept, I would say just go with a target retirement fund from Vanguard or Tiro Price. Given your age, you would look at like the 2050 or 2055 fund. It does the same thing. It allocates more in cash, bonds, and stocks. Because you're so far from retirement, it'll be pretty aggressive, but it'll get more conservative as you get closer to retirement. But if you're looking to get a little bit also into individual stocks, I would say take a little bit of that money. Maybe choose, or at least look into, five companies. We often say, look at what you're already sort of interested in. Maybe stores that you like to go to, or companies you admire. Uh, maybe companies in the industry in which you work as a starting point. That doesn't mean they're going to be great investments. But start with maybe five companies, just a little bit. If you find that you like following individual companies and picking individual stocks, you can put more of your portfolio into those. Define a little bit of money. Well, I would say, my rule of thumb is, if you've never invested in individual stocks, I would say, start with maybe 10% of your portfolio. So then that would be 2% into each individual company. Um, And then, again, if you like it, do more. And if you've established that you're pretty good at it. So... Even if you enjoy it, but you end up picking bad investments, it's probably not a great idea to put more <laughs> money right, behind right. those. 
but it's a good starting point. But really, having most of your money in a target retirement fund, especially for an IRA, is a perfectly fine idea. They keep sponsoring us, so I'm going to keep talking about how Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan offers a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision whether you're buying a new home or refinancing. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. Skip the bank, skip the waiting, and go completely online at quickenloans.com. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. So we are on Twitter. We are. We are. We're on Twitter. And it just so happens that we got a great idea for today's episode from someone on Twitter. So, Mike Steele, whose handle is Other Mike Steele, suggested that we uh, do a show about the top five Motley Fool April Fool's jokes and lessons taught by them. So, guess what? Christmas comes early for you, Other Mike Steele, because we're going to talk about some of our favorite April Fool's jokes and joining us to do that. One of the original fools, really. OG Fool. OG Fool. Todd Etter. Hello. Yay! Yay, Todd! me. So, Todd... (laughs) Uh, you are employee number three of the Motley Fool. Somewhere between three to five, it gets very hazy. Yeah, how did that happen? What metric you employee were. pie. So take take us back. The year is nineteen ninety three, ninety four, ninety two, ninety three, somewhere 93. in there. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. My roommate, no, sorry, my cousin was David Gardner's roommate at UNC. Oh, okay. And he came to visit me, and then ended up not picking me up at the airport because he was staying up all night playing games with this random guy that I'd never heard of named That's David Gardner. So David, and Gardner, so me yeah. and my wife had to take a cab home, and and then he's like, "No, no, you got to meet David. He's really cool. I hope you understand." Blah blah blah. And uh, we hit it off. Dave's a good guy, and it just so happened about a year later, he said, "Hey, I'm starting this newsletter with my brother. This print financial newsletter. We're calling ourselves the Motley Fool." I'm like, "Good luck with that." Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, would you like to help us? And I was like, "Sure, why not?" And so I did a couple things for the print newsletter, but not much. And then formally, when we moved on to AOL, they asked me if I wanted to come on board full time, and so we. We're starting up the company pretty much, and I think I was one of the first employees. So technically, yeah, third employee, fifth, first, who knows? Somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. And you are currently the Fool's Chief Collaboration Officer. Yes, I mean that's a very formal title. Yeah. I, I kind of more think of myself as the court jester of foolishness, mm-hmm. and I try to make sure that we keep things irreverent and get people uh, on a really fun level, talking to each other, getting to know each other better, thinking creatively, working with one another, collaborating, all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a very a varied role, actually. So you do. Like I would jester. say your role is motley. It is very motley, <laughs> and it is very jester-like. It's very jester-like. You know. uh, well, we brought you on to talk about um, some history, be our historian. And so, where did the idea for doing an April Fool's joke even come from? Right. Like, when did it? When was the first one? So I think, and I wasn't involved back when they did the very first one. I think it was 1994. It was still a print newsletter. Um, just slowly starting to move over to AOL, I believe. But I think there was still print at that point. And Tom and Dave had noticed that there was a lot of online hyping on Prodigy, um, the online forum that was before AOL. I don't mm-hmm. know if either of you remember Prodigy. Remember Prodigy. Oh, yeah. Similar to CompuServe, they had those ads, Prodigy, yeah. you know, and you get it. 
thing in the mail, and you join up. And, and uh, they had stock forums there where people were hyping penny stocks. And they discovered that it was pretty much a ring of people doing this. And they would hype these no-name companies that were trading for two, three cents a share, get people to buy them, and then the stock would go from two to four cents. And then all these hypesters would get out and mm-hmm. basically double their money, right? Mm-hmm. And they thought this was horrible. It was unregulated. It was even before the internet. No one was monitoring this. So rather than sort of bring this up and say this is, you know, this is what's going on. You guys should fix this, SEC or whatever, right? They decided to play a little prank. And it just so happened that it, the timing worked out for April Fools. And they said, let's create a fictitious company, hype it on Prodigy. And see what happens, basically. So the company they came up with was called Zygletics, mm-hmm. and it they manufactured portable toilets, uh, which is crazy enough, right? But for Southern Chad, the country of Chad, highly in specific, Africa. highly specific, not <laughs> yes. just Chad proper, which yeah. would make a lot more sense, but Southern Chad, <laughs> as we all know, that's yeah, uh, a tougher been a, region. Should have been a sure giveaway right there, Ex- right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. They even uh, set examples. Of uh, Zygletics had a sponsorship with the Sudanese Marathon, where the finishers were greeted with Zygletic plungers. So every finisher got a plunger. Um, and so they just posted this, this crazy company that was selling at three cents a share or whatever, right? And what, was, what happened after that was amazing. All these other people who were in on the ring started hyping the company as well. Knowing that this was a fake company, knowing that there was no such thing as exactly. the Halifax, but they Nova started, Scotia Right, it traded it in the Halifax on. Canadian Exchange, right? Um, and they made sure when they did this that this company did not exist. Mm-hmm. There was no symbol, so no one could actually lose money on this. There's right? no Halifax Exchange. There's no Halifax Exchange, exactly. Um, and so it was alarming how many people played along with this and it was clear to them what what a ruse this was. People were hyping collectively and then dumping these stocks, and they're like, hey, here's someone else doing it. Let's play along. This person's going to make me rich. I'll make them rich, all that kind of stuff. So this all happened, and it turns out a couple of, I guess, they compiled all the postings and then put it in a future uh, print newsletter mm. for the April Fool's joke. Mm-hmm. And David sent it to a couple of people he knew in the media, and the Wall Street Journal picked it up mm-hmm. as uh, you know one of their amusing stories about things that are going on. And I think it was the Fool's first uh, national sort of media story. Yeah, yeah. I tried to find the original Wall Street Journal story. I couldn't find it. Right, um, it's out there somewhere. Yeah, it's got it's got to be out there somewhere. Um, but then things but it put him like, on, it kind of put him on the map. It, it put him put on the, the map, and it yeah. put David as a target. David and Tom, oh, really? like he even got a, a call like uh, to his house, a threatening call, saying you know some some things which probably I won't say here. But uh, <laughs> which but, in yeah. his house at the time was in the his, office. Yes, his house was the office, yeah. and it kind of freaked them out. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. So it's like, wow, these got you know, this is serious stuff. If these people are, you know, if if we're bringing this out and mm-hmm. sort of revealing these people, but I think it also showed David and Tom what a powerful thing money is, and how simply exposing people and showing what's wrong with the investing world is very important. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. in a way, this kind of really funny, silly joke was an underlying theme for the the. The greater growth of the fool and the message that we're trying to still do to this day. Right, right. The idea of the motley fool or the court jester being the one person who can speak the truth to the king, right? Exactly. Yeah. But doing it as you know the fool did with uh, humor. Yeah, yeah. So that was the first April Fool joke. They probably didn't anticipate that it was going to become a regular thing. No, right. right yeah. Exactly. So what was the next April Fool's joke that they did? 
So I think that we didn't do one for three or four years, probably because uh, of the you know threats to the the phone, you know, <laughs> right. and stuff like that. Uh, so I think in '98, yeah, '98, I believe we decided we were going to officially do. Uh, another joke on our website. We had a website at the time. Mm-hmm. It was our very first website. And and uh, <laughs> and the joke was that we had been telling people for a very long time that 90% of mutual funds lose to the market. And this was a huge reason to come to The Fool. Why spend money in a mutual fund where you're going to get charged fees, just like you were talking about earlier, um, and underperform the market? Why not just put it in an index fund, invest in stocks, just the market itself, and you're going to do better than 90% of the active funds, right? So that was the underlying message we were telling. The joke was, and I, ironically, it was came up with by our lawyer, oh. the one whose idea was, Lawrence Greenberg. Lawrence came, came up, up with Lawrence it? Lawrence came up with Aww. the idea that we actually had the number wrong that 90% of mutual funds beat the market, right? Because and why did we have the number wrong? Right. So that well, that was the first. That was and so we're like, okay, yeah, that's a pretty funny idea. Why? Why is this the case? And Lawrence again, well, maybe we had the graph upside down. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was that was the gag that we had this graph. And I think it, the rationale was we used a a shareware illegally downloaded version of Microsoft Excel, <laughs> and the graph pasted in upside down, and we showed the graph. Uh, with the 91% or 90% above, but it was flipped. Uh-huh. But but if you just looked at it, even the text was upside down. Like the, the writing was all upside down. And so there was no way a rational person would believe this, right? right. We're like, no one's going to believe this. And then the emails flood in on April Fool's, and we say, you know, we basically apologize to the world, you know, right. saying we screwed up. We, we're sorry we've been wrong all these years. And people were furious. The, the emails that were coming in, ha, I knew it. You guys were too good to be true. I hope you know uh, you get what's coming to you now. SEC, you'll surely be involved in all this kind of stuff. When the graph is sitting there upside down with right. the, the letters. And, <laughs> right. So, yeah. And that, well, not only did people fall for it, the Raleigh News Observer That's fell right. for it? That's right. So we used to release the joke um, at midnight mm-hmm. or 3 a.m. or something in the middle of the night because that's technically when April Fool starts. Right. Um, and someone in the Raleigh News and Observer saw the story in the middle of the night and decided that this needed to be like, you know, green lighted for oh like the yeah. next day's publication, right? Which happened to be April 1st. Um, and so they ran a story saying Motley Fool screws up. You know, they were wrong all along. <laughs> the chart was upside down. <laughs> the chart down. was upside down and so forth. And it turns out all they had to do was call us. Right. Because if anyone had contacted us, we would have told them mm-hmm. it's a joke. Right. You know, we didn't want anyone. They just ran to, the press release. They just, just ran up. it straight up. Didn't didn't research it or whatever. And I think to this day we have never appeared uh, in any <laughs> form in the Raleigh News Observer because the person that was in charge of that um, is still there and uh, said you will never <laughs> you will never appear in our newspaper again. And so uh, yeah, uh, still pretty bitter about that. I think. I would say this was like maybe the first official like we are going to make this a thing. We are going to do April Fool's jokes, and part of April Fool's jokes by the Molly Fool is that are they're going to have a few of the similar components. One being, it's going to teach a financial lesson. Another aspect being, it's going to be funny, of course, April right. Fool's jokes. But then also there's that component of getting feedback from people. Yes. So we always provide a way for people to to email us back. So you learn a lesson, hopefully. Even if you're angry, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, what would you say is like your favorite? My favorite, favorite um, one that we've had. I mean, it's almost like when you have a favorite singer; it's always their early stuff. You yeah. know, that, you, that you're most. <laughs> so, uh, 
I, probably my favorite was Emerang, which was the following year. Okay. Which was in, I guess, 1999. And this was sort of the heyday of internet IPOs. All these companies were IPOing and their valuations were through the roof. No one could understand why, but it's, hey, it's the internet. We're going to make money. Yeah, Buy yeah. these stocks, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, and so I believe it was David that came up with, we were just discussing maybe we should IPO a company or help them IPO. Mm-hmm. And David was like, what's something completely ridiculous? Not not for an example, but let's just say e-meringue, right? They sell meringue on the internet. And it was perfect. We were like, yes, that's that's exactly what we're doing. We're doing e-meringue. <laughs> because every company back then was, you know, I this or cyber blank yep. or yeah. e-blank, right? And uh, so we came up with e-meringue. And the concept was that the company that you, you, you made a pie, but you didn't have to worry about the meringue. That emerang. Who would, wants to worry about beating absolutely. all those eggs? Absolutely, it's horrible, yeah, it's, right? Yeah, yeah, it takes a while. The pie's the easy part. Um, and so emerang would ship you a meringue in seven days or less to anywhere in the U.S. Seven days, seven <laughs> days or less. Just the top, just, just the, the top, top for your lemon just meringue the top. pie. Yeah. Yep. And we had a whole site, emerang.com, um, where you could go and visit and see how you know the chickens are bred and the eggs are, are sort of harvested and so forth to to make the actual meringue. It goes in like a pizza box that gets sent to you, and you open it up in five days, and you put it on your pie, <laughs> and so forth. Um, and so the premise was that we were IPOing this fantastic company, right? The the underlying message is this is a ridiculous idea. If you do any shred of research, you're going to know that this is completely ludicrous. Yeah. But we gave people the opportunity to get in on the ground floor and buy shares of Emring. Yeah. You weren't going to actually give us money or lose any money, right? But if you made a request to us, we would make sure that you got preferential treatment. Because as you know, IPOs are all about who's in and who, right. who has preferential treatment. Again, we thought, no one's going to believe this. This is just so <laughs> ludicrous. I mean, you go to the Emerang site, and they have they have a web app that calculates eggs to dozens, but it like is off by one or two eggs every time, so it doesn't even work. It was like, you know, you have one dozen eggs, plus or minus a dozen, right? Something like that. It's called the eggulator, I believe. Um, Yeah, so it's just completely absurd. And yet, we have thousands of people emailing us saying, how do I get in? My wife's yelling at me. The stock's going through the roof. I want to buy shares. What do I do? You know, people looking up the stock, can't find it. Please, please, I got, you know, I got to get in. And the way we had it worked was... Um, we released news stories every day because there was no way to track the stock. So we would provide the link to the stock price. And I think it was supposed to IPO at 22, mm-hmm. and it opened at 88. <laughs> and then it skyrocketed to 318. Ooh, it, did wow. a, it did a three-for-one split. Immediately. <laughs> in one day. Immediately, in one day. Um, and then around 2 p.m., the negative news starts to hit Uh-oh. that uh, the meringues were sent unrefrigerated. <laughs> uh, they were like botulism, and 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 like it turns out the former company was an auto parts factory, and they didn't have licensing for any food. Um, the stock starts plummeting. It does a reverse one for five split on the same day. <laughs> The CEO, meanwhile, is now under investigation. He flees and he hijacks a Carnival cruise ship with a frosting gun. 
<laughs> and attempts to slit his wrist with a spatula as the authorities are trying to rescue him as he's got control. As they're closing in. Wow, it's right, dark. Right. And, and it closed at 25 cents a share, right? Oh, jeez. And so you could come in throughout the day and see, see how the stock. But during the time it was going from 88 to 300, people were freaking out like, oh my God, I missed, you know, my wife's yelling at me, how do I, you know, how do I get in on this stock? And, Unbelievable. And so yep. Oh, and then crazy. the emails we got, I mean, like, you know, we have some, as you said, we always solicit emails from people. And like, here's one, correct me if I'm wrong, this is ridiculous. Don't you still have to bake the expletive pie? They just sell meringue. I'm at a loss to see how this has any promise. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, sir. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Thank you for pointing out the errors of our ways. Yes, yes. Bro, let's talk about one of your favorites, and I believe that is Shake Shake something about Shakespeare's lost portfolio. Yes, and I, I, it's it's sort of like the what you said about the original stuff in the band. It's it's partially one of my favorites because it was the first joke that came out after I joined the Fool. So I was an editor, and I actually oh, helped a little right. bit, not really that's with right. the ideas, but more of the editing and stuff like that. But the premise was, and you'll know more details, Todd. But basically. Shakespeare's portfolio was discovered, and we were able to trace many of his original holdings to modern-day companies, which was pretty funny. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, I think you have some of the I examples. Do, I do, I like, do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, the premise, yeah, was that we found this portfolio, and it turns out, ironically, that all these medieval companies that Shakespeare was investing in never dissolved. They morphed into other companies, mm -hmm. and he was worth billions. <laughs> and we located his heir um, to get all this money. It was a farmer, mm -hmm. um, and we gave him all this money. We had a big press conference and everything. Um, so, yeah, we have uh, a chart of all these. I'm going to – I'll read the original company and see if you can guess okay. where it morphed into. So, uh, Horse, Inc., then switched to uh, Henry's Ox Carts, and then Ships Are Us, and then went to... I know the answer. Oh, you do know the answer. Oh, you do. Ford. Ford. Ford yes. Motor Company. Uh, let's see. Anne Hathaway Farms. Anne Hathaway was his wife. Mm -hmm. Where do you think that went? Farms. I don't know. Did we... when, wait, when did this come Think of the name Hathaway. Up? Oh, Berkshire, Berkshire Hathaway. Hathaway. Because they merged course, with Lord Berkshire. Yes, they merged with Lord, Lord Berkshire. Berkshire. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Tim's Waste Treatment merged with Stratford Rat Catchers to form Disney. What? Oh, mouse. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, just it was the exact opposite, right? Uh, com acquired Com, uh, acquired 2Com, and acquired 5Com, and then spun off 7Com to become 3Com. So, you know, the, <laughs> there was were all a sorts thing of... back then. Yeah, yes, it was a company. company. Yes, it was company. Yes, exactly. Now, the the yes. interesting thing about that, what was the original name? This is this is a sign of the times. This is 2000. What was the original name of Microsoft? Um, ye old bloodletting and leeching. Right. What? <laughs> Why? Back then, Microsoft back then. was kind of seen as the evil empire. Yes. Oh, really? Yes, they were, they yes. Were, it was the time of antitrust. Everyone. If you loved Apple, you hated Microsoft. It was yes. a different time. Yeah. So all those companies evolved, and uh, we paid out a huge sum of money. I think we had a press conference with like a skeleton that was supposed to be Shakespeare <laughs> <laughs> that we unearthed or whatever. It was yeah. It was it was fun. What I liked about that was the lesson. Yeah, was, I was gonna say, what was the lesson? The adjusted <laughs> the adjusted value of his portfolio was like 66, 66 cents, and is now worth like eighteen billion dollars. Uh, okay. And that was basically buy and hold a. a a diversified portfolio, you'll it'll work out in the end. So exactly. it was a simple me message, but I liked it. Yep. Yeah. 
Well, what about yours? What about the Motley Fool IPO featuring Allison Southwick? Yeah, the first one I was involved in um, was the Motley Fool IPO one. And for whatever reason, I was like, we need a video. We need, and I, I roped Rick into it. Like, I, Allison Southwick roping Rick into projects since 2011 or whenever we did it. Um, and he did this video with me where it was a very corporate speak IPO video. Was, the joke was that the fool is going to IPO. Right. And so um, you have to watch the video and the S1. S1 is a form that you file with the SEC. So we had an S1, and it's. It's pretty hilarious. It's really funny. Right. It's we really claim funny. that off of $400 million in sales, we're going to make a billion dollar in profits. Uh, <laughs> that the CFO was going to be the long lost third gardener brother, right. who was a poet and a painter and, and was very skeptical of numbers and <laughs> <laughs> things like that. Um, One thing that our jokes do to a fault is uh, they reward. Effort and depth of reading, yes. like it, yeah. you know, it's not something like you can just look at. You could, you could look at it and go, "Oh, that's kind of funny." But like, if you can usually dive pretty deep into one of our jokes, there's a lot of payoff way, way down the rabbit hole. Right. The best ones tend to be the ones where we are being unethical in some way. We are doing something that is preying on our members, you mm-hmm. know, and and we're teaching. While we do that, that like, hey, you pay attention to what you read and do your own research and make sure everything sounds reasonable, because you know, uh, it, it, you're the person who's the most accountable for your financial decisions. And if you just blindly take anyone's word, even us, you know, uh, you, you've got to be out there. You got to be watching out for that kind of stuff. So yeah. yeah, those are the ones that get the most violent responses about how dare you. Well, um, I don't know what this year's is going to be, and I'm very always excited to find out. I don't either. I don't either. I don't oh, either. it's gonna be. This is maybe the first year that'll be a surprise for all of us. I know. Huh? I know there have been meetings. I just don't know what the outcome of those meetings. Well, are. then our listeners will find out the same moment we do. Well, Todd, thank you for joining us. Oh, sure. This has been great to have Always. you come in and share the stories of the good old days. Exactly. And the more current days too. The crazy days. And the crazy days to come. All right, that's the show. I want to thank Ann Henry for sitting in for Rick today, who's homesick. Poor Rick. Poor Rick. Our email is, of course, answers at fool.com. Feel free to drop us a line. For Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody. 